0: Thank you for listening to this talk, produced by the Art Gallery of South Australia. <laughs> Lovely to, um, you knew, we're actually just about to speak about this work, so there you go. Agsa Ghana Yatanga Yuandi, we stand on Ghana land and honour the Ghana people of the Adelaide Plains. Uh, wonderful to have you uh, here with us today in this beautiful room, in this beautiful gallery, in front of this beautiful work. So, uh, it's a great pleasure to be talking um, about this work by Robert Wilson. It's entitled Lady Gaga, Mademoiselle Caroline Revere. It was made in 2013, just over 10 years ago, and it featured in a, a beautiful exhibition we presented called Robert Wilson, Moving Portraits in 2022. Hands up if you saw that show marvelous excellent so you've got a good context it's so exciting to see it on its own uh it was wonderful in the exhibition as as you know it was surrounded by a number of works from the collection and other works by Robert Wilson and we created this soundscape across the whole of that exhibition but here the sound turned down now of course fills the room in a really beautiful way. I was doing a little research on Michael Galasso. Michael Galasso is the musician whose um, whose soundtrack is associated with Lady Gaga. And you might remember that beautiful uh, Won Kar Wai film, In the Mood for Love, and he did the soundtrack for that. So he's an art, he's a musician that's worked a lot with film. So, there's so much to talk about with this work. So, uh, and I'm going to come to the details of it in a, in a moment, but I'm just going to talk about a couple of aspects of it, and then I'll talk about the, the, uh, the nature of this work and how it came to be um, a, a little later. Uh, but, the, uh, but the aspects I'm going to talk about today are, I'm going to talk about light, I'm going to talk about stillness, time and one thought. The idea that an artist pursues one thought throughout their life. I'm very fortunate because um, often once a year I get to sit down with the artist Robert Wilson. He has a great interest in, uh, in art of Oceania and he's an incredible collector. Of artwork, so every year he's he's in the region. Uh, he's doing some projects in Asia at the moment, um, in Indonesia, and he was in Sydney over the summer. And we got together and we had a great conversation. in in, um, in light of the exhibition we did together, he's eighty three years old, very well, um, and uh, very vital and full of energy for all the projects he's working on. And what he spoke about really struck me and um, I'll remember it very distinctly because he talked about how important it was to allocate particular spaces in one's life for different aspects of the artistic process. And those four aspects were the archive, how important it is to be able to reach into the past and to look at what has come before. Now, in light of these four areas, it was particularly in light of what he does with his project called The Watermill. So, The Watermill is uh, an incredible entity. It's a laboratory for art making. And he offers residencies for creative artists in dance, film, music, art, from around the world who come to this incredible uh, centre uh, in um, Long Island and uh, called the Watermill Centre. He created it in the 90s. And, uh, and thinking spatially about the spaces that are important in the watermill also determined the spaces that one allocates as an artist, both symbolically and physically. So number one is the archive. Number two is a space for making and collaboration. And we'll talk about that as we go through. Collaboration is vitally important to the way Robert Wilson works. Thirdly, is a space that allows for space. A space for meditation and stillness. A space that is not crowded to allow those thoughts to come forth. And fourthly, a space for inspiration and the possibility of new new work to come together. Now, a little bit about Robert Wilson. What's interesting about Robert Wilson is that, yes, his work uh, has been collected by major museums all over the world, the Pompidou and others. Um, However, he is definitely more well-known in the area of performing arts. So, with performing arts, he has 25... Projects at the moment that are touring the world, that's 25 separate independent productions that are happening in theatres around the world. That's a lot. (laughs) I doubt if there would be another single artist other than a company like the Paris Ballet Opera or or the met a touring that actually has so many productions and some of, and some of them are incredibly diverse for example the jungle book ubu oedipus madam butterfly turandot and Crap's last tape everything from uh, the jungle book to Beckett, an incredible array of different performances. And on his website, which I can really recommend, you'll see a lot of images from those from those works and you'll get a sense of the drama, of the experience of seeing a Robert Wilson uh, play. But paralleling that work he's done in theatre since the 1960s, he's had nearly seven decades of practice. So since the 60s, he's been working... Uh, in, in performance, but always paralleling, looking at drawing and painting, furniture making, and since the 70s, video portraits. Okay, a little more about Robert Wilson. He was born in 1941 in Waco, Texas, and he grew up there, um, a little at odds with the world around him. And he had a very bad stutter as a child and he worked with a dance teacher and choreographer called Birdie Hoffman. And Birdie, through working with him, allowed him to overcome his stutter. Later on, in 1968, when he moved to New York, he created the Bird Hoffman School of Birds, which was this performance group in honour of Birdie Hoffman. Now, moving back a little. He uh, studied architecture in Texas, then he studied architecture in New York, and he studied with the great architect Louis Kahn, one of the great architects of the 20th century. He then went to Paris and started painting, and then he uh, immediately moved to New York where he started working in theatre. Now, at the beginning of this talk, I mentioned that I'll be starting... ...to talk about light. And uh, I think that's something that's uh, tremendously important. Louis Kahn, um, as I said, he studied with him at the Pratt Institute in Brooklyn. And uh, and he said one uh, sustaining and foundational aspect of all of his work... ...whether it be drawings or furniture or video portraits or painting or theatre... Is light, and he said, Light is architectural, it is like an actor. And so, um, and, and at the beginning of his um, time as well with light, he, he said, Louis Kahn said, Students start with light. And when um, Robert Wilson talks about his video portraits, of course, light is the emanating aspect and the emanating dimension of this um, art practice. So uh, moving further, uh, he talks about stillness. So uh, in his video portraits, which are really, um, he talks about them as being a structured landscape of pictures or mental landscapes. So these mental landscapes have the rare ability to shape shift the, the temporal and the spatial, time and place into a new form. Some of his theatres move back and reference these video portraits. Some of his theatrical works involve a seven-day play or a 12-hour opera that is silent or a pose held on a stage for seemingly hours until they're distorted by light. So time is something for him uh, that... uh, is elemental to his work. He has said, my work is still life, which is real life. The mystery is behind the surface, which makes it surreal. In fact, the incredible poet, the surrealist poet, Louis Aragon, who died in 1982, he saw one of uh, the silent operas that uh, Robert Wilson created called Deaf Man Glance in 1971. And he, and this is what Louis Aragon said. He said, he is what we, from whom surrealism was born, dreamed would come after us and go beyond us. So in many ways, Louis Aragon, who was one of the great proponents of surrealism, saw Robert Wilson as, uh, as uh, not only the legacy, but as uh, the future of surrealism. But for... Robert Wilson, he talks about real life and still life. So, um, moving moving back to this work in particular, um, let's observe what's happening. It's uh, this incredibly still portrait. This is, of course, uh, filmed over a day. Uh, So, uh, Lady Gaga stood still for uh, many, many hours. And out of that, those many, many hours, there was this three-minute loop that is, of course, perpetually evolving in time. Now, a little about the history. Uh, The work was created in 2013. And actually, how they met is Lady Gaga uh, approached Robert Wilson to design her MTV video. He said, sure, and he did that, and from the basis of that relationship, they worked together on this series of incredible collaborations. Now, just a word about collaboration. When Robert Wilson first moved to New York, uh, by 1968, he had encountered and started working with and was influenced by the great choreographers, Martha Graham, George Ballantyne, and Merce Cunningham. And... Um, Throughout his um, entire life, collaborations have been really important to him. So this is not unusual for him to work with um, an incredible artist like Lady Gaga, who of course came from a background in performance art herself. For example, he worked with the composer Philip Glass and the choreographer Lucinda Childs in his incredible and probably best-known work, Einstein on the Beach. Um, from 1976, that came to um, to Melbourne um, in the 90s. Uh, did anybody see? Has anybody seen Einstein on the Beach? Good girl. Two of you, yes. Um, very, very memorable. Those images are, are incredible. So um, he worked with um, the great playwright Heiner Müller and also David Byrne from Talking Heads in the Civil Wars project, and he worked with Allen Ginsberg. The beat poet in Cosmopolitan Greetings. He worked with the great uh, radical writer and drugs enthusiast William S Burroughs, and the musician Tom Waits for The Black Rider which came to Sydney for a Sydney festival a few years ago and with Lou Reed the great um, singer for Time Rocker and the great opera singer Jesse Norman for Great Day in the Morning. So he's always working um, with um, extraordinary performers. Marina Abramovich he's, he's worked with as well. Um, he actually designed a Giorgio Armani um, exhibition that I was lucky to see in 2000 at the Guggenheim, uh, which was an extraordinary uh, piece of collaboration as well, and designed an, um, Noguchi, the great designer, uh, Japanese designer, um, uh, Isamo Noguchi as well. Now, coming back to Lady Gaga, so, here she is. Um, it's a recreation of uh, the Mademoiselle Caroline Revere, 1806. So, uh, Ong, the incredible um, painter Ong, had um, Jean Auguste Dominique Ong had been commissioned in 1805 uh, by uh, Mr and Mrs Revere, who was uh, he was a senior official in the Napoleonic uh, uh, regime under Napoleon, to uh, to create a portrait of he and his wife. The next year, in 1806, he commissioned Ong to create a portrait of their 12-year-old daughter. Very sadly, within one year of this portrait being made, she passed away. So knowing that, it's uh, become uh, uh, quite legendary, this, this very beautiful painting that's in the Louvre collect- collection. As uh, a... a an honoring of the brevity of beauty, and it 's something that both Lady Gaga and uh, Robert Wilson worked on now Robert Wilson was creating was asked to do an exhibition called that he titled "Living Rooms in two thousand and thirteen um, at the Louvre, and while he was there. Um, that was when the idea came to invite Lady Gaga. So they created three, pro- four projects actually, based on artworks that they both selected from the incredible collection at the Louvre. So, uh, and what you see, of course, is um, as Madame, uh, Lady Gaga, as Mademoiselle Caroline Revere, uh, and the makeup, the earrings, the costume, the background. The background is hand-painted by a theatre designer, uh, and you'll see this whole fabrication here uh, as well, which, again, is, um, is working with scenic artists. But what do you see? What are the two aspects of action that happen in this video? What are the two moments of action? The bird? the bird, exactly, the snow goose. And snow goose have appeared in his art in the past, as well, there it is flying right on cue across the sky, and of course, the other action or movement, very slow, that occurs is the single teardrop falling down her face. And you might remember that in uh, video portraits, the exhibition we positioned this work, working with my colleagues Lee Rob. Maria Zagala and Uesha, we actually positioned um, this work alongside a second century Roman balsarium, arguably used for the collection of tears at funerals. It was a juxtaposition that Robert Wilson absolutely adored out of all of the juxtapositions uh, we did in the exhibition. And when I interviewed him, he talked about that. He said, "I am drawn by the work by the of the Roman glass. All can be contained in that one glass. It can be traced through all the work: the drip of rain on Brad Pitt's body, the reclining landscape of Salma Hayek. The space in back of you reminds me of a tear running down Gaga's face. It is the space behind her eyes that touches us, and that is this is what." Um, A dancer, Japanese buto dancer, Suzushi Hanayagi said, always told me that this is the space in the back of you which makes the space in front of you stronger. And here you have a great sense of the space behind Gaga which is flattened, of course, with this um, traditional landscape and the space in front. And it's only these mere moments where you can see this movement. I mean, she's an incredible performer, but to be holding that that position for hours and hours is um, absolutely extraordinary. His interest, remember I talked about right in the beginning, his interest um, in the archive. And it's something that we saw again and again in the exhibition uh, because of the, the, the reference to other artworks. Uh, For example, he's looking at, um, in in this case, uh, French neoclassical art. He looks at Hollywood allure to to Japanese anime. And thinking, moving back to the idea of light, uh, he was also very interested, as I said, uh, with Louis Kahn talking about light in architecture, but also light in Hitchcock films, and in uh, 1940s, Hollywood as well. Now, um, uh, for example, in the exhibition in video portraits, his portrait of Mikhail Borishnikov referenced um, St. Sebastian from early Renaissance paintings by Mantegna. Uh, Mary, Queen of Scots, referenced a painting by Nicholas Hilliard. Robert Downey Jr. referenced Rembrandt's incredible The Anatomy Lesson of Dr. Nicholas Tulp. And it is not a recreation of those historical paintings. It is not even a portrait of those artists or those performers. What he's doing is creating a psychological space for our imagination. He's not determining what for us to think or feel. He's allowing a space for us to enter and to um, meditate upon for as long as we wish. And I think the, uh, the, the, um, the marrying of the music and the video, of course, is a very important dimension that, that borrows very broadly from his work in theatre as well. Now... One of the aspects of um, thinking about... um, In the 18th century, I'm just thinking about the idea of the tableau, the the presentation in these portraits and what a portrait might be. Um, The great Renaissance painter Golan noted, to each his mask... And uh, the idea of the persona, the persona of Lady Gaga, the persona of Caroline Revere. And actually, the word persona comes from sounding through a mask. And this idea of the layer of time, the layer of history, the layer of the character of Lady Gaga, the character of Caroline Revere, but entering a new space uh, for us uh, to, to both enter and to experience Now, um, interestingly, um, in thinking and talking through the idea of time, I asked Robert Wilson about the idea of time because these works, do they extend time or do they condense time? Does time stand still or does it become endless? And he said, time does not exist without space. Time for me is a vertical line that goes to the centre of the earth and upward to the heavens. Space is a horizontal line that goes as far as we can stretch from left to right. It is the cross of time and space that is the basic architecture of everything. It is the drip of milk in a Vermeer painting. It is a black strip in the middle of a Barnett Newman painting. It is how the thinker touches a key on a keyboard or a piano. It goes up and it goes down and it goes out on a string. It is a tension that exists between the vertical and the horizontal that creates the sound. It is time becoming space. When making the portraits, we do not restrict ourselves to any measure of time. It's a very unusual consideration of what time is uh, and what history is and what the future might be. He was always radically thinking about the possibility of screens. And here I think um, it's interesting, often I um, have a conversation uh, with people who might say, oh, I, I'm not so interested in video art. And I think what happens with how he's negotiated vid- his video portraits, which is how what he calls them, they become a portal that you look into rather than a screen per se. He said in the uh, 1970s, he said, I look forward to a time when we can see screens on billboards, on taxi backs and on watches, right? That was the 1970s and of course that's happened. Far too ubiquitously for some people. Uh, And of course now we have two-year-olds who are screen literate and uh, who uh, have a whole negotiation of the world through screens. And yet screens um, are um, emanating now as a light source. He also said, screens are reflections of our lives. They are transparent layers that record the memory, which are our histories. If we lose our memory, we lose our history, our culture. So that uh, really brings me back to that, whole idea, as he talked about right in the very beginning, about archives, about collaboration, about meditation, and about inspiration, those large um, spaces that we allocate in our life through our friendships, through the work that we do, that allow us to be, to live our creative lives. Um, I can talk more. (laughs) <laughs> but I've, I'm really interested in your questions. Um, one of the, and so we've got a little bit of time for questions. But, uh, but also, um, I think it's very interesting when we think back on his very first uh, videos of this nature. They were invented as a commission for public television back in the 60s. Right In the 1960s, public television was something that was very interesting happening, particularly in Germany, in France, and a little bit in, in America. And he did these whole vignettes of only five minutes long, and some of them were of uh, people like Louis Aragon, of the great curator Pontus Houlton, but also of a goose, of a dog. And we haven't spoken at all about his work with animals, which is really important. But I thought we'd concentrate on history and, uh, and, uh, and great figures of the past and great figures of the present. He's someone that has enormous respect for uh, creatives of the past and of the present and of the future. But I think that's interesting co- to consider how these were conceived of as vignettes... For public television, for public broadcast, available to all free of charge. And that was his conception, and in many ways, what he was doing in 1968. uh, And then, uh, with a a big commission that happened in the early 2000s, has determined this trajectory of his practice uh, throughout his life. Thank you.